Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It's over. It's over. Far from over. I'm doing me. I'm I'm doing me. I'm living life right right now. now. And this is how it feels. When it's over. And it's over. But it's far from over. That's what Justin Fields is saying to the coaching staff. Is it though far from over? That's what he's saying. He says, he's going to be doing him. (laughs) He's going to be doing him. That's one thing that's clear. From this week forth, Justin Fields is going to be doing him on the football field. Now, whether that results in the team actually having some success remains to be seen. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPNU, ESPN App, all of our great stations across the country, Sirius XM Channel 80, and we are broadcasting live from the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17 in New York City. Yesterday, complete and utter dumpster fire for the Chicago Bears, and we want to hear from you guys at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Is there a bigger dumpster fire in all of sports right now than the Chicago Bears? Before we play all the audio and everything, right, we're, we're assessing them as a dumpster fire. I want to ask maybe the hardest question of the day so far, mm. all right, or at least I, as I'm deeming it to be. Is this actually a good thing? I'm not saying I believe that, but let's play it out. Let's say glass half full. Tell me why Justin Fields throwing his coaches under the bus yesterday, then walking it back, why putting your starting left tackle on the IR, and why your defensive coordinator resigning somehow—I can't even get through this—somehow could be a good thing. Well, I mean, if it's a good thing, then why would you walk it back second time around if you're Justin Fields? I'm not saying it is. I'm trying to—is there a way for the Bears to sit there and say, good, I'm glad this all happened? No, I mean, listen, it sounds like the starting quarterback doesn't trust the coaching staff to put him in positions to be successful. I don't know what world that's ever been a good thing. The, and the fact that he's willing to be vocal about it just speaks to how bad it is behind the scenes. So it's clearly gotten to an inflection point, a boiling point, and I don't know that the Chicago Bears are ever going to be able to get this right and whether or not they're ever going to be able to salvage Justin Fields as their their true franchise quarterback. It just screams – of a lot of drama, a lot of noise, and the one thing that we're not hearing, Smalls, is the focus on the Kansas City Chiefs, which is their upcoming opponent in Week 3. The Chiefs are a handful in and of themselves. There's a reason why they're the reigning defending world champions and why your boy Patrick Mahomes has been in, what, three Super Bowls? There's a reason why. They're really, really good. They're, they're the elite. They're the, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL year in and year out. They command the full attention when you talk about your week's worth of preparation. And right now, they're not getting that from the Chicago Bears. I, I just, as, as somebody that's looking on it outside in, it doesn't even feel like you're going to give yourself a chance to be competitive. It feels like it's going to be more of the same coming up in week three. And I just don't know how this team, how Matt Eberflus gets this locker room to focus 
in terms of giving themselves a chance to win on Sunday. Yeah, you didn't think it would reach a boiling point as we enter week three. No. It's not good timing for this to ever happen, but especially when you have the Kansas City Chiefs at the end of all of this. But, Evan, let's play your hypothetical game. Let's play your hypothetical and how this could somehow result in a good thing. Sometimes if you're having a discourse with somebody and you're at an impasse, you have to do something severe in order to get your messaging through. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what Justin Fields is trying to do. Maybe he's been saying to the coaching staff, the situations that you're putting in, what you're trying to conform me into, it's not going to work for me. And they've been resistant to listening to him. Well, now that conversation is certainly being had. He has forced the conversation to be had. Now, I don't think it's going to be a positive conversation because I don't think the coaching staff is all of a sudden going to say, you know what, Justin, after you said those things to the media, you're right. We've been trying to do something that might not be beneficial for you as a football player. We're going to listen to you and we're going to give you the runway that you want to have the freedom that you need to be the quarterback that you desire. I don't think that's going to play out. But maybe in your hypothetical world, it is a positive that all of this stuff is forcing itself to the surface. Yeah, and I want to be clear. I don't believe any of this is positive. I don't, okay. just, I don't know. Right. No, it's a hypothetical. I, I don't. What I'm saying is it is so obviously negative. Let's at least take a moment to look at it from the other side because maybe all of a sudden this is a rallying cry. The problem is they're playing a dynastic team. They're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. They don't yeah. have the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants and the New York Jets right now. They don't have a slump buster. No, they do not have a slump buster. Now, let's walk through. Yeah, quite literally the opposite yeah. of that. <laughs> let's walk through the last day for the Chicago Bears in audio because it is ugly and we have to play this for you. So let's start with the initial press conference from Justin Fields that got everyone talking. Take a listen to what the QB had to say. I felt like, you know, I wasn't necessarily playing my game. I uh, felt like I was kind of robotic and, you know, not just – not, not not playing like myself. So um, um, my goal this week is just to say effort and just go out there and you know play football how I know how to play football. And um, that's not that includes uh, thinking less and just going out there and playing off of instincts rather than just you know so much sort of say info in my head, data in my head, and literally just going out there playing football. I mean just going back to it's a game. Um, and 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 that's it because that's when you know I play my best is I'm just out there playing free and uh, being myself. So don't follow the you know what I should do, what I. This and that, like pocket stuff, like I'm gonna go out there and be me. When you say thinking less, what do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? You know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching, um, I think. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it, you know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I, you know, can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week, and then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. Okay, so that's the Justin Fields audio that had everybody abuzz, him kind of throwing his coaches under the bus. Yep. Enough where he then later in the day had to clean it up by saying this. I'm not blaming anything on the coaches. I'm never going to blame anything on the coaches, never going to blame anything on my teammates. I will take every, whatever happens in the game, I will take all the blame. I don't care. It's a drop pass. It should have been a pass. Put it on me. But never will you hear anything come out of my mouth to where I will blame it on somebody else. In this organization, my teammates, never will you hear that. So I just want to clear that up and just know that, like, I need to play better. That's it. Point blank. If if y'all, that's that's what I should have said in the first place. But, you know, I was trying to give y'all more details because... You know, I appreciate y'all for doing what y'all do, and I try to give y'all the information y'all want for you guys' job. So um, I'm gonna do that, and in the future, like, but I ask you guys to, just to put the whole quote out. Don't cut it up into words and pieces to make it seem like I'm saying something that I'm not. 
Okay, so we have Justin Fields Audio A, Justin Fields Audio B. They go against each other. Courtney Cronin, a ESPN Chicago Bears reporter, joined us earlier here on Unsportsmanlike, which you can get the audio on the ESPN app. She was saying to believe the the first version of it, right? That, yeah. that CC, the first version of it is what she said and what we have believed all show was the better version of, of this with Justin Fields. Yeah, she said it was as honest as she's seen Justin when he's talking to the media since she's been covering the team which is saying a lot. Uh, and so for me, I, I got to believe that Justin felt a way about the coaching staff and continues to feel that way. And he recognized that it didn't necessarily land the way that he wanted it to land. I mean, you come up with the one reason why you're playing like a robot when you're pointing to the coaching staff. You give no other plausible explanation. You don't reference your own preparation. You don't talk about your teammates. You point to the coaching staff and no one else. That's not leadership especially from a guy that the franchise is trying to decide on whether or not he's going to be the quarterback moving forward. So, yeah, it, 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 it reeks of a lack of accountability, a lack of maturity, and there's no way that he can walk this back with anything that he says. It's going to have to be silence and critics with the way that he plays. The only problem with that is he doesn't trust the coaching staff, and all of the focus right now in Chicago is on everything except for the Kansas City Chiefs, which is their Week 3 team, Week 3 opponent. I do appreciate his transparency, though. I know he tried to walk it back because he realized what this was going to turn into and what this has turned into. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate the fact that he had that stream of consciousness and we get a peek inside Justin Fields' brain and why he thinks that this has gone so disastrously wrong through two weeks in Chicago. Because I I can't even imagine how he feels right now. This is somebody that we had in the MVP conversation. This is somebody that we thought was going to be taking that Jalen Hurts type trajectory and taking that next step. And he's probably looking at the talent he has and thinking, they're trying to make me into something I'm not. And he feels the clock ticking. He feels that sense of urgency. And so for him to share the way that he's feeling and how he's perceiving this all going down as a member of the media that he mentioned in that second clip and the roundabout, I appreciate it. I really do appreciate the candor. All right, I got one other could this be a positive spin kind of thing. I'm listening. And, <laughs> and it results in a negative, but it kind of a positive. So yeah, Ryan yeah. Poles is the GM. Mm-hmm. Ryan Poles did not draft Justin Fields. Ryan Poles may or may not love Justin Fields, but if he doesn't, everything that's going on right now, his play and this drama allows him at the end of the season saying, thanks, but no thanks, I'm good. Maybe. Yeah, but, but Ryan Poles did put a stamp of approval on Justin Fields by deciding to stay with him rather than take a quarterback with the number one overall pick. Did he, or did he decide that this year's draft is better than last year's Well, draft? I mean, there's still an opportunity cost that comes along with it because there were three quarterbacks taken in the top five. If any of those guys show promise into being a yeah, really good Poles quarterback, look bad. then Poles looks really, yeah, really bad. Sure. So, I mean, there's no way around that. So, Wait, yeah, can there, I just ask you a follow-up on that? Do you think any of those three, so we're talking about Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, do you think any of those three will be better pros than Caleb Williams? I'm not saying that they're going to be better pros than Caleb Williams. What I'm saying is that if any of those three show themselves to be a franchise quarterback, then maybe you made a mistake right. with, with staying with that. And here's the other part to that equation. If you're the brass for the Chicago Bears, are you really sold on letting Ryan Poles make the pick? Or after that, if one of those other quarterbacks or, God forbid, all three of those other quarterbacks show at the end of the season that they're going to be studs, do you let this regime make that pick? Do you let them use potentially two top ten picks in order to find the next quarterback? 
after being in futility from swinging and missing on so many first-round picks as your quarterback? I mean, since 2000, there have been four quarterbacks taken with first-round picks by this franchise. You got Cade McNown. You got Rex Grossman. You got Mitch Trubisky. Now Justin Fields, the latest one. And now you're going to be working on five based on what we've seen the first two weeks of the season. So it's hard to trust the Bears. It's hard to trust Justin Fields. And that's what makes this entire situation a dumpster fire. Are we not sure that if Justin Fields was playing for another team that we would see a different version of him, that he would be better? Oh, yeah. I I think there's the potential for that. But again, it it all comes down to environment and relationship. you got to make sure as a head coach – that you have a good rapport with the quarterback. As an offensive coordinator, play caller, you have to have a good relationship with the quarterback. That's a part of the job description. Clearly, those relationships are fractured no matter what Matt Eberflew says in terms of wanting transparency and wanting open and honest communication. I'm pretty sure when he made those comments, he would prefer that that open and honest communication doesn't come in front of 20 or 30 media members. And that's what happened yesterday, and that's what makes it so bad. There are certain things as a player that you have to keep in-house. Any kind of critiques, any criticism toward teammates, toward the coaching staff, they have to be kept in-house because you can't walk those things back. I'm not absolving him airing it out because I'm with you. I'm Italian. You keep all that inside. Okay? You keep that inside. <laughs> but I'm, I'm spinning it forward. I'm not wondering if – I'm now wondering, excuse me, if the best thing for Justin Fields might be to get out of Chicago. Maybe he realizes – I need to somehow make this known that it's not me and I need to figure out what's happening with my future. If he realizes that it's going to be a wrap for him in Chicago and he knows that they have the draft capital to pick somebody else, maybe he's trying to forge his way out, Shawshank his way out almost by saying, hey, are you guys paying attention? It's the coaching but staff. It's not me. making him a starter? That's the thing. Yeah. No, no team is going to look at him as solely the option for their quarterback problems. Like, right? look at the Jets. The, Would they, the Jets trade for him right now? I say no. No. Well, here's the thing. Like, they're not just going to bring him in and think that he's going to be the answer at right. that quarterback. Exactly. He would be a part of the equation at quarterback. But, again, you, you, it's a situation where you're worried about being relegated to bridge quarterback status, kind of like what we've seen happen to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he might get an opportunity to be a starter somewhere else, but it's going to be a lot shorter leash than what he has in Chicago right now. This franchise is fully invested in him this offseason, going out there and getting him DJ Moore, trading the number one overall pick in a quarterback rich draft. Like they did all of the things to show public support for Justin Fields. There won't be another NFL franchise that goes down that road with that level of support for him. 100% agree. 100% agree. He becomes what you just said. He becomes Baker Mayfield. He becomes Trey Lance. He becomes maybe what Zach Wilson's going to become. He'll be in the league if if this is what he is, right? We're not writing him off yet. But if this is what he is, he'll be in the league, but nobody's believing him and it's their full-time starter for the long term. It's just not going to happen. Coming up, can he or can't he? Next on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Kenny? Kenny? Oh, oh Kenny. This is not hard-hitting analysis. It's not that. Can he or can't he? That is the question. That's so good. It's so good. It is Unsportsmanlike here <laughs> so on good. ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, with you. It is time now for Can He or Can't He, brought to you by Granger. Now, I want to point out, we're going to do a lot of it for Thursday Night Football, which we already have a bet on the table. The bet on the table, which, by the way, it's it's betting, I guess me betting against myself, because you guys aren't really disagreeing with me on this. Yeah. I said if the Giants don't, or the Niners don't win by double digits against the Giants tonight. Yeah. I'm going to go all week next week with button downs every single day after you guys ripped on my button down from yesterday. I'm going to have to lean into that now and get destroyed for five straight days. Okay, so I, that's the prop bet that you're making. Yes. Now, I okay. also said, is there a difference between a button down and a button up? And we're all like, no, it's just a button down. You just say button down. Yeah. Now, Pat Costello, producer, thinks there is a difference no, I don't think. I know there's a difference. <laughs> What's the difference? A button down is called a button down because it has the buttons on the collar and you literally button the collar down. A button up doesn't have those. I actually what? don't even understand ah. what he's saying. No, you're the, saying so on, your, so on, your, so on the your edge collar. of the collar, sometimes there's buttons to yeah. hold your collar in place. Uh-huh. And some shirts don't have that. So he's saying the ones with the buttons are button downs, right? Right, Pat? Yeah, so the buttons have- on the collar make it a button down. There we go. I think like, of what you're like throwing a, down. Like a shirt for a tie, that kind of thing? Like yeah, where you would have, yeah, yeah. Yes, like a dress shirt. a button down? That's a button down. But if it doesn't have that, it's a button up? Correct. I never That's ridiculous. That. I've never. That's I, absolutely ridiculous. I have shirts that, that have that the buttons. I would call it a button That he's that button locked down. into the nuance of that is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to well, com- I mean, completely I'm reject a, the principle. I'm a fashion icon, kid. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> so so says you. Wait, we're on the ESPN So says you. Pat is wearing, I think, a Joe Frazier shirt today. What are you wearing? Yeah, Philly, of course. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Anyway. All right. And Javante's got his Piston shirt on. All uh, right. Can, can we get to the game? Because the yeah. NFL music is playing. I'm candy or candy? There's an football prop bets we're going to do uh, over under touchdown passes. Daniel Jones, one and a half. I'm going to go over. I mean, how could he not be? I mean, what what's going to be the offense for the New York Giants? They certainly ain't going to run the ball. I mean, outside of the quarterback runs, this is a team that's bottom 10 in rush yards from the running back position. No Saquon Barkley. That means it's going to be a heavy dose of Daniel Jones, and I don't think the backup running back and an offensive line with no Andrew Thomas is going to move that 49ers front. So it's going to be Daniel Jones trying to move the ball through the air, and so I'm going to go over. Maybe he gets a couple of garbage time touchdowns at the end of the game when the 49ers has decided it's well in hand. All right, we'll be will Purdy be brocking all night long? Uh, <laughs> over under touchdowns one and a half. I'm going to go under because he's not going to need to. I think he throws one touchdown pass, but they're going to spread the wealth. I mean, he had one touchdown pass through the air, one on the ground rushing last week in their win against the Rams. I think it's probably more of the same. He's going to spread the wealth. I think Christian McCaffrey gets a rushing touchdown. Debo Samuel gets a rushing touchdown. There are going to be other guys that get in on the act. So I'm going to go. Under one and a half passing touchdowns for Brock Purdy. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey. His prop bet tonight, rushing yards, 78 and a half. Over, under. I'm going to go under. I, I think the 49ers spread the wealth. It'll be a light workload for Christian McCaffrey when it comes to the ground game. Just because they won't need him to go off, it'll be 
a situation where he's going up against a Giants defense that allowed 20 points in the first half to the Arizona Cardinals, a slight uptick in the quality of competition when it comes to the 49ers offense. So I'm going to say under 78.5 rushing yards for Christian McCaffrey. Daniel Jones, quarterback for the Giants, 37.5 over under rushing yards minus Saquon Barkley. Under, Nicky Bosa and Drake Jackson ain't letting Daniel Jones run away from him. It's just not going to happen. You can run away from a lot of D-lines. This ain't one of them. Under 37.5 rushing yards for DJ. Uh, George Kittle, receptions, Niners, tight end, 3.5 over under. I'm going to go under 3.5 receptions. I think he has a couple of long receptions, so yardage-wise, he'll be okay, but I don't think he's going to get to four catches. No. Like not three tonight. for 75 kind of thing. Something yeah, like that. Got there it. you go. Okay. Debo Samuel, over under four and a half receptions. I'm going to go under, and I'm not saying that that means that Debo's going to have a bad night. I just don't think he's going to get all of his touches in the passing game. I think they're going to use him on some rush attempts too, some jet sweeps, things of that nature. So I'm going to go under four and a half catches for Debo Samuel. Alright, Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, over under four and a half receptions for the Niners. Again, I'm going to go under. I think it's going to be a relatively light workload in terms of the overall touches. Doesn't mean he's not going to have a lot of yards as a receiver. I can certainly see him taking advantage of opportunities in the screen game and in some of the matchups that he's going to have with the Giants linebackers, them trying to cover him out of the backfield. So I think he does have productivity as a receiver from a yardage standpoint. Just, again, not a huge volume in terms of catches. Uh, Darren Waller, Giants tight end, 47 and a half over under yardage. It's got to be over, right? Who else is Daniel Jones throwing the ball to? Who, who else? That's it. He's got, he's got to throw it to Darren Waller. So, I mean, it's going to be a heavy workload for number 12. They're going to have to get him the football early and often. He's the only receiver, only pass catcher that Daniel Jones that has that can actually dictate front and coverage. So, over 47.5 yards receiving for Darren Waller. We don't need to do George Kittle. You already confirmed that, right? Yeah, over, we're going over. over we're going over on the 42 Christian and a half. McCaffrey, total rushing and receiving 112.5. I'm going to go over. So, even though I think from a volume standpoint, he's not going to get a ton of touches – I do think he's going to do damage as a receiver out of the backfield and as a rusher, so I'm going to go over. I think he's got he's averaging 150 yards from scrimmage through the first two games, so over on this one, that's easy for me. Yeah, basically yards after catch, yards after contact seems like a high number for you tonight for the Niners. That yeah. If there's a way to bet on that, then maybe bet on the over on that. And Debo Samuel... Over under 72.5 total rushing receptions. I'm going to go under, but by the slightest of margins. I'm thinking Debo Samuel, somewhere around three or four grabs, 60, 65 yards right in there. So just under. I think it could be a huge game for Brandon Ayuk. Remember, he had a huge week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that they utilize him again against that giant secondary. All right, we're going to do an over-under on when you turn the game off. Under. I didn't, I didn't even give it. Okay. Uh, when you turn the wow. game off, over-under halftime. For all of us. Under, meaning before the first half ends. Over, obviously. It's going to be over for me, but that's just because I'm a Giants fan. And and I'm probably a little bit of a masochist if I'm going to sit there and watch what's going to happen in the second half after seeing the first two quarters. So you're going to punish yourself. But you you think by halftime it could be a wrap. Yeah, I'm going to punish myself for loving this team as much as I do by watching the second half. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm going under. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) I didn't feel like that was sincere. That, that little ah, uh, no, shed, I do. Because, small little. Do you tear. want to know why? Because I don't have a football team anymore. Yeah. But I was a fan of a terrible team. The Rams were fifteen and sixty-five, which is tied for the worst five-year stretch of football in oh, NFL history. God. I've watched a lot of football. Yeah. I've a bad football, I should say. I yeah. know that pain, so I do feel bad for you. Okay. There's that hope that it could get better, and it just doesn't. Well, there is no hope tonight. Lewis Riddick said he couldn't give me any hope. He couldn't even lie to me and tell me that there was hope. So. Yeah, it was a genuine awe. It was a genuine awe. 3 at the end of the first quarter. That's my prediction. Niners okay. up 17-3 at the end of the first quarter, and it's going to be 
six at halftime. Well, that actually makes me feel better because we know how your predictions go. So, cool. All right, let's go. I think I've had a good run, actually. Yeah, okay. So, that, so says you. How did that Steelers So pick? says you. I knew he was going to bring up so the Steelers. So says you. Coming up, Micah Parsons on offense? What? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. If you missed any of that, you heard there Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter, who joined us yesterday. If you missed any of Canny or Canty, brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. You can go on the ESPN app and listen back to our podcast available on the ESPN app. So yesterday on the ESPN app found there. We had a big conversation about player value relative to the MVP. Can a defensive player or a non-quarterback win the MVP in today's day and age? Uh, CC said, why couldn't Micah Parsons win it? Making a case for Parsons or any other great player, defensive player that could rush the passer specifically was the argument. And we debated that versus a quarterback. And one of the things that came up was, does Parsons' versatility play a factor into this, right? And we're talking versatility as he can rush the passer, he can play backer, he can need to drop in coverage. Okay, fine. Well, there was a new aspect of the versatility brought up yesterday by Micah Parsons. Let's take a listen to this. He was very disappointed in my route, but I told him I didn't warm up. I just went out there on the fly. Um, I look forward to running the bet this Friday. He's talking about going out there on the fly, learning it this week taking reps at tight end in practice, to which his head coach, Mike McCarthy, was asked about that. Well, I think the biggest thing is this is going to be a quick answer. Um, you know, he, he, played a little, he played a snap there, so I will not give you an evaluation on that. And, uh, but, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's something you always entertain. You know, yeah, definitely. And Micah has that, you know, obviously has that ability. <laughs> is there any doubt? That if Michael Parsons was playing tight end for the Cowboys, that he'd be the best tight end on the roster. I mean, think about it. They, no disrespect to Jake Ferguson or Peyton Hendershot or Luke Schoonmaker. But if Michael Parsons decided he wanted to play tight end, would he not be the best tight end on the Dallas Cowboys? He would not be. He would probably be the best tight end. He, he would, would not be? He would no. probably be the best tight end. He, he doesn't play tight end. 
I mean, I would think that Jake Ferguson had a good game this past weekend on Wisconsin. I believe he's uh, Barry Alvarez's <laughs> okay. grandson. So there's, so there, that, there's that. It's Barry Alvarez's this, this grandson. Guy, this guy's completely objective when he's saying that. <laughs> no, okay, so yeah, no, exactly. here's, here's the actual question off of this. So if he is capable of doing this, if he would be so good at this, why don't they do it? Because and, he's more valuable in doing what he's doing now. Why can't he do both? No, the, well, first of all, there is attrition that you have to worry about and the, the point of diminishing returns. Like, you don't have a lot of players that play both ways in the NFL because it's a 17-game regular season, and these are the best athletes in the world. So you worry about using a guy with so many snaps and potentially getting him hurt. And Michael Parsons' value to the Dallas Cowboys as a pass rusher, as a disruptor on the defensive side of the ball, is why you try to limit his exposure in other areas. You've got other guys that are capable at the tight end spot, which is probably why you don't feature him there. But if you are going to help this guy campaign for an MVP nod this year, maybe that's a part of appeasing him if you're Mike McCarthy, if you're a part of that Dallas Cowboys coaching staff. So just entertaining it might well be enough to keep Micah Parsons happy and keep him doing what he's doing, being the best player on a team that looks like a top three squad in the NFL through two weeks. Do you think we're going to see it? Do you think we're going to see it in a game? Because I do too. Yeah, I'm not saying this week, but I I am curious about that. Like, Do you guys hold that stuff in your back pocket? Like when you were with any of the the Giants, Cowboys, Ravens, a defensive player playing on offense, an offensive player playing on defense, Like, do you have that like random thing that you guys know we could break that out at any time and they have no idea it's coming? Oh, yeah, but it's not not a thing that you're using for some kind of advantage. It's to make the players happy, like to appease guys. Like the Baltimore Ravens used to always flirt with the idea of having Haloti not on goal line packages. I think like they, they did, right? They, they, they yeah. put him in there yeah. a couple of times, but it was, it was just to have fun and and more for, uh, I guess, um, that just to have that, that sense of, uh, I guess, you know, player enthusiasm being engaged in that way. But it wasn't for some type of strategic advantage. Like, it, it happens every now. I remember the 49ers with – where Jim Harbaugh used to put Justin Smith in there on goal line packages, short yardage packages, those types of things. It happens every now and again, but it's not for any type of advantage from an X's and O's standpoint. It's just to keep the guys happy, engaged, involved, energetic, that type of thing. But when he looks at the Dallas Cowboys, Michael Parsons' versatility is is what takes his value to the next level. We keep talking about value over replacement when it comes to the MVP conversation. There are very few players that are capable of impacting the game in the multitude of ways that Micah Parsons does. Since this guy got there, this defense leads the league in takeaways, back-to-back years. Since he's got there, the Dallas Cowboys, they've had back-to-back 12-5 and seasons. And now this coming off of the 2022 campaign where Dak Prescott missed five games. Guess what? Cooper Rush, the backup quarterback, went 4-1 and during that stretch. Now, nobody's going to sit here and say Cooper Rush was the bus driver or that the offense was the bus driver. It was the defense that's the catalyst, and the heart of that is Micah Parsons. And I think that's the evidence that you look at to make the case for him being MVP. I don't think we can fully quantify his impact on winning because the metrics and advanced analytics haven't gotten there yet. But this guy is as important to his team through the first two weeks of the regular season as any other player in the league. Do you think if we see him make an impactful play at tight end sometime during the season that that could shift that conversation at all? Yeah, if he goes all Mike Vrabel and it has <laughs> touchdown catch after touchdown catch at the goal line in the red zone, then sure, I think seeing that impact on offense makes a difference. But again, all of the rules are slanted toward the offense and the numbers or something that we focus on much more so on the offensive side of the ball than defense. Think about fantasy football, Lev. Yeah. There ain't no fantasy football focus on defense. Well, and it's, it's all offensive players. So those are the yeah. things that fans understand. And the MVP award is such a narrative-driven award. 
And so if Micah Parsons is making noise on the offensive side of the ball, as well as, you know, flirting with, you know, having 20 sacks and breaking the sack record, then, yeah, people can see why this guy should be an MVP. But team success is also a big part of this, too. Yeah, I think that I will be honest. I will never vote for a non- – I don't have a vote, but I would never vote for a non-quarterback. If he starts playing offense and he contributes, I would look at it a little differently. I have to be consistent and fair, right? I always thought when people would make a big deal that Charles Woodson was the first non-offensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. Well, he played offense and special teams. He did teams, play offense, yeah. Right, so I think it's a little bit twisted in that. If I'm going to be the same person that says, hey, Shohei Otani is the most valuable player every single year – Every single year in Major League Baseball because of what he does, I have to lend that same level of consistency to this argument. He's still not a quarterback, but if he's impacting the quarterback on offense and defense, I do have to think about it a little bit differently. I still wouldn't vote for him, but if he plays a role on offense, I mean, I can't sit here and celebrate Vrabel, as you mentioned. Marcus Jones last year for the Pats played offense and defense. Yep. Troy Brown played defensive back, as did, as did um, Julian Edelman at times for New England. Mm-hmm. They've used guys on both sides of the ball. J.J. Watt, I believe, for the Texans did that. Mm-hmm. I do think if there's any role that he would have on offense, he's still not my MVP, but he moves a little bit up. So let me ask you a question. If the yeah. Dallas Cowboys go 15-2, and 16-1, best mm-hmm. record in football, Michael Parsons catches three touchdown passes, breaks the sack record, and he has a couple of defensive touchdowns, he's not the MVP? Well, you just made him into Otani. <laughs> I mean, is he not the MVP? No, because uh, what you I mean, do- I know it's a long shot for all of those different things yeah. to happen, right? Like, those are those hard-to-reach incentives that they put in NFL players' contracts. But if he does all of those things – even if we have other quarterbacks out there that throw for 40, 45 touchdowns, how special would it be to see Micah Parsons put together that kind of a campaign? He all of a sudden becomes a unicorn, a one-of-one, and it's highlighted by his impact on both sides of the ball. But that's the way the conversation has to shift, right? What does he have to do that's outside of the excellence he's already displaying that can put him in that conversation with a Tua or another quarterback? It's also a very calculated risk on behalf of Mike McCarthy, who should not be on the hot seat, but everyone thinks it is. If you he is excuse me if you put Michael Parsons on offense oh you don't have to vouch for for yourself you got that guy. he's now going to vouch for you every which way Michael Parsons is going to be the biggest Mike McCarthy fan of all time yeah but if you put him on offense and he gets hurt guess who's getting fired the next guess who's getting fired the next week pack do you even show up <laughs> at that point yes and that's why I said calculate a risk There's, that's the reward you just gave the risk part of it all right coming up. Who is the team in the NFL that should be most concerned about losing on Sunday? And was there a player that sat out because of the surface of a field? We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike. This is Unsportsmanlike with Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, and Michelle Smallman. ESPN football analyst Lewis Riddick. We got Thursday night football. The Giants are double-digit underdogs going up against what has looked like the most complete team through the first two weeks, the San Francisco 49ers. As an optimist for my former team, Lou, I need you to explain to me how tonight is not a blowout in the Niners' favor. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I don't know. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Sportsman like oh on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Sirius XM80, ESPNU, ESPN app, all of our great stations across the country. All right, I'm taking out the dumpster fires here, mm. or at least the known dumpster fires for this conversation. I'm taking okay. out the Bears, and now, based on what Lewis Riddick just said, I'm taking out the Giants, okay? Okay. The team this weekend that should have the most preemptive concerns about losing on Sunday, thinking right now... Oh, my God. If we lose on Sunday, we are in big trouble. It's, it's which team? It's the Denver Broncos. How How is it not the Denver Broncos? This is a make-or-break season for Russell Wilson. And I'm sorry, color me skeptical that they're not going to get a win down in Miami. I think they're six-and-a-half-point underdogs against the spread. That's the line. I just I don't know that they're going to be able to get this done, especially after they blew a 21-3 lead against the Commanders, who have a first-year starting quarterback in Sam Howell. Now, they're going up against the most explosive offense in football, and this Denver defense has given up the six most explosive plays to opposing offenses. So it ain't a great matchup for Denver on paper, and this sort of becomes a referendum on whether or not Russell Wilson can be a starting quarterback, not just with Denver moving forward, but with any team. I'm with you. A lot of pressure on Denver. It's a big, big, big week for them. And, Ev, you're not going to like my pick. I'm going with your New England Patriots. Mm. It's fair. If they lose to the New York Jets and they start the season 0-3 and New York finally gets what they want and they beat the, the New England Patriots with Zach Wilson under center, the heat's going to be turned up on Bill Belichick. We're going to have a lot of questions about New England and what's in store for their future if they lose this game. All right, I'm going with the sneaky one. I don't believe this team has been mentioned on this show for days since the first their first game of the season. If we're going to assume the Dolphins are going to beat the Broncos, which I think we are, the Dolphins go to 3-0, and tiebreaker against, obviously, New England at this place if they ever were to be in that spot. What if Buffalo goes on the road and loses to the Commanders? They it's fall, possible. They fall 1-2, and two, mm-hmm. and they're two games back in the division already? So let me ask you this question. I hate to answer a question with a question. But you're about to. But, but who does this game in D.C. tell us more about? The Bills, the Bills or the Commanders? Bills. Definitely the Bills. We don't... So we're still not taking the Commanders seriously if they win this game yeah, against the Bills. I, I almost think it's the Commanders. I know CeCe's been high on them. But if, yeah. if they beat the Bills, even though I know it's an indictment on the Bills to start the season in this manner, they're still a good football team. 
Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is if the Bills lose, like the, the biggest storyline from this game to me is the Bills is a bigger story if the Bills lose than if the Commanders win. No, yeah. it's a bigger story, but I guess my question is who does it tell us more about? Because nobody really knows what the Commanders are. I know I might have been high on them, but nobody really knows what they are. We had a belief that we knew what the Buffalo Bills were coming into this season. We thought we Josh Allen was an elite quarterback coming into this season. Uh, all of those things can still be true if they lose this game. But I think there's all of a sudden a lot more optimism around D.C. with the new ownership change and with Sam Howell being their quarterback that this actually might be a decent football team. All right. Uh, another team to discuss here. And I told you guys a couple of days ago, and this was a weird thing that was developing, and, and you heard it on ESPN Wisconsin and Madison and Milwaukee, et cetera, that there was like all this conversation about why David Bakhtiari, their star left tackle, was not playing. Like, was it because of the turf? Was it like to stand in solidarity with Rodgers? And this was all speculation and like kind of out of nowhere. But obviously Bakhtiari got word of it, and people were kind of questioning what's going on here. And he had a fiery soundbite yesterday about why he did not play in game number two for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, if I wasn't going to play on turf, I'd probably make more of a ruckus. Um, my brother loves drama, and he told me he was going to do it. I'm like, all right, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care what you do. It's your social media. And uh, no, that was not the reason at all. Uh, I would, if it was going to be, it'd be something, it would definitely be something different. But no, I mean, I clearly have an injury that's been I've been dealing with. And I think that like a lot of just journalism, I think anyone here, I didn't run with the story, Bob, I don't know if you did or didn't. Well, anyone who did should definitely make sure to right wrongs. Because if you don't, then is that really journalism? If it's only just a hot topic or the lowest hanging fruit? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it was a thing. I don't know, even with all of the injuries, I can't imagine, CC guys would decide to sit out based on a surface, would they? No, I don't think so. This is a player that's been dealing with health concerns the last three years, right? I mean, last year he missed six games. The year before that he missed all but one game. And in 2020, you're talking about him missing five games. So he hasn't been able to stay on the field for the entirety of a regular season. He's getting a little bit older now. You're talking about a guy that's 31 years old, about to turn 32. So, yeah, I can understand why he would be more cautious and making sure that he feels 100% before he gets back out there on the football field just because he's been struggling to stay healthy for the last three or four seasons. Yeah, I don't, I don't, as he said, don't think he's making a statement about the surface. I think the knee swelling is separate of itself. But he can't be surprised that with the comments that were being made by himself and others that the media would somehow come to that conclusion or at least inquire about it to Bakhtiari and Matt LaFleur. Yeah, and that became a thing. I Just out of curiosity, I'm very much putting you on the spot on this, and I don't mean to, but I was just thinking about this. What was the weirdest reason you ever remember a guy saying, no, I'm not playing today? Like, do you, was there ever one that you're just like, <laughs> I, what? You're not playing? Like, for what reason? Like, I remember, this is not a joke. I once had a guy in high school who sat out of a practice because he had a pimple in his armpit and it was hurting him too much. I'm not kidding. He's like, I'm out. Did you, he get cut? You knew you weren't going to be a good team when that happened. Yeah, let me tell you what you're not going to do in the NFL. <laughs> if you're sitting out for a BS reason, you're going you're gonna to have the entire locker room turn on you because ultimately you're relying on these guys to do their jobs. And in the case of David Bakhtiari, he gets paid a hell of a lot of money to be one of the best offensive linemen in all of football. If he's going to sit out for a protest about turf or something else like that, that, all of a sudden I feel a way about it because I need him 
to do my job so we can have job security and I can keep cash and checks for my family. So I, I don't think he's picking a hill to die on when it comes to the turf or standing in solidarity with Rodgers. I think he's legitimately dealing with an injury, and he wants to make sure at this stage in his career he stays as healthy as he possibly can because general managers are looking at the game logs too. And the fact that he can't stay healthy becomes a liability for somebody moving forward. So if you want to keep making $16, 17 $18 million a year, you need to be on the field for 16, 17 games during the regular season. So acceptable reasons by you guys looking at your peers to miss games of practice. Injury? And contract dispute. That's it. And family stuff, I assume, like we'll leave to the side, right? Yeah, family stuff is uh, family stuff. That's, but so it's, it's one yeah. or the other. You're, if you're not here, it better be because you're hurt, God forbid, or you're having a contract issue. Yeah. If you're late, if you miss the team bus, if you miss the team plane, like you, like the. Co- I don't. If you miss the team bus, you miss the team plane. I don't give a damn. You just better be there at kickoff. <laughs> right. I don't care what I'm. I don't care how you get there. Plane, train, automobile. You. I mean, take a Uber, whatever. However you get there is how you get there. Has that ever happened? That's happened before. Now there I mean, have you been don't have to, to you. Have to tell, not, no, not to me. But yeah. there have been guys that show up 30 minutes and an hour before kickoff and like, look, you're supposed to be there two hours before the game starts. <laughs> But because this guy is so good at football, we're going to go ahead and make this exception, And you're cool looking the other way. You're like, I don't care as long as he's and in If he goes out there and has three sacks, do you give a damn? No, I'm just curious if you <laughs> guys do. I don't. But not do at coaches? all. I mean, listen, we'll deal with that after we win the game. Right. What did you say about winning? It's the ultimate deodorant. Yeah. Mass yeah. Every winning day. cures all. We win, we win and he gets a couple sacks. Winning hey, cures give all. him a game ball. <laughs> Pretty impressive. <laughs> Give him a game ball. Yeah, I know you weren't here from the beginning. You, you got here in the second quarter. The, but You didn't need the pre-game speech that the other 52 guys in the locker room needed. <laughs> so there's some things that are acceptable, others that are not. It's injury and financial. Other yeah. than that, you better be there. And, and like you said, family stuff. Real that's life all stuff. To this, uh, real yeah. life stuff. But yeah, that's it. Those are the only acceptable reasons. But if a guy comes and is like, oh, I didn't know what time practice started today. And like he was late or whatever. Like, that guy gets dragged. I don't I care about practice. If you go out there and ball, I don't care about. The only time I care about you missing practice or missing a meeting is if you don't play well the following game. But if you go out there and play well, you know what you just showed me? You're a better man than me, dog, because I need all of those things to be good. You needed every practice? And you didn't. You yeah, needed. I, I needed every practice, yeah. I and was, every meeting, every practice? I needed everything. I needed every advantage I could get, yeah. I and you always thought, hey, if I miss any of this, I, 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 well, uh, Yeah, that was my mentality. I was a fourth-round draft pick, so I had to do everything Should right. have been a first per Mel Kuyper. We are <laughs> on to Friday. Greeny coming up next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.